Boss Vaughn arriving.
welcome you to church tonight. I'm going to ask everyone else to stand this evening. And let's come together and let's worship the Lord. We're going to sing an old hymn of the church. This hymn simply says, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste. For this is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. So let's worship the Lord tonight. Father, Father, we come in this place to worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, we thank you for the presence of the Lord we felt in this house this morning. God, we know you are no respecter of persons, and the same God that we felt this morning can be the same God we feel tonight. God, there are many that are out due to work. There are some that are out that are sick, some that are at family reunions and traveling. 
God, we know that many of our congregants and constituency of this body, Lord, is needing a touch from the Lord. But God, you said just if two or three were together as green is touching any one thing, you're in the midst. And God, there's more than two or three of us in here tonight. So God, we're asking you to inhabit the praises of your people and come and make residency with us tonight in this house of worship. For we love you. We give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. And the people of God together said, amen and amen. Let's sing a song called, He Promised to Hold My Hand.
thankful that we can stand on the promises of God. Oh, we love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. This might be a new song. Some of you may have heard this on the radio. Um, if you listen to any of like uh, WKCL or any of the uh, praise and worship stations, uh, Way FM or uh, 100.9, um, it's a newer artist that come out this song, and I actually never heard it till I went to a funeral. And then somebody actually sent it to me from the church and said, we should learn this song. I was like, funny story, I'm at a funeral, and I'm listening to this song right now in a funeral. And uh, so uh, this is not for you to be sad and to think that I'm saying we're at a funeral, but it's a good song for us to remember. And the song literally just simply says, let me tell you about my Jesus. And that's what it's all about. The, our call to God says, go ye therefore in all the nations, baptizing, teaching them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. But our call... The Great Commission was to go and tell everyone about Jesus. And so that's what we want to declare today. Let me tell you about my 
Oh, we worship you, Lord. We know today that, Lord, you call us children of God. Doesn't matter what other people may label us as. Doesn't matter what name we've been called by man. There's a name that's been written down in the portals of glory. Lord, today, our hope and our confidence must be in the fact that we know that we are children of the Most High God. We are a child of God because that's what you called us. So we sing that today. We worship you today, Lord. We declare this as our anthem of our hearts. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? Who was lost but he brought me in? Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love Lifted all over the house. Let's just declare it today. Whom the sun. 
a child. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. One more time, I'm a child. I'm a child of God. Yes, I Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this evening? Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord for a moment. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. While you're making your way to your seats, some are making their way to their seats, let me make a couple quick announcements to you. Um, As you can tell from this morning, as well as tonight, uh, we played Scramble Road. We played musical chairs today. We've all tried a new instrument at least once today to see how it sounded. And um, Sister Jennifer uh, Wyatt's brother, it's kind of weird how this works. Um, so our drummer at the church, as everybody knows, is Larry Wyatt. Well, I didn't want you to get confused on how to introduce yourself to the drummer. So the drummer tonight is also Larry. So we have Larry and Larry. It's not hard. The last names are different, but the first names are the same. Then Sister Jennifer told me that her middle name and her sister-in-law's middle name are the same. They're doing some freaky stuff over there near Ladson. I'm telling y'all that right now. They're trying to marry with the same names, with everything else. They're trying to, they try, they pulling something. I'm telling y'all, y'all better be watching out for people like that. But anyway, but um, Brother Larry um, and his wife, who helped sing tonight, uh, she sings at her church. Or they, they both, she sings and he plays at their church where they go. Uh, but we're able not to have service tonight, and we're able to help us. And so can we... Uh, give them a Santee Circle welcome, and thank you for getting us over the hump. And um, don't worry, you're not going to scare him. Uh, Sister Jennifer's family was all raised Church of God, and half of her family's Church of God. Her grandmother still goes to the Bethesda Church of God in Sumter with her family. I mean, she watches about every church in South Carolina during the week. I think if I, I don't know if I have the schedule right, but I think on Sunday morning she goes to church. On Sunday night she watches church. On Monday night she watches, uh, I believe, uh, the uh, forward service where her grandson helps with the online Bible study. On Tuesday night, she watches Bethesda's prayer service. On Wednesday night, I can't remember, I think she watches uh, Sam, our, our church, no, Sam, sorry, yeah, her church again. Somerville Family Worship Center gets watched because Brother Larry plays the drums, and we get watched because Sister Jennifer plays here. And I think Saturday, she just decides that she's had enough church, she can make it to Sunday. So I don't know if that's the routine we should all start, but Sunday to th- Friday, she's been in church. So she's loving the Lord, and um, and uh, you don't. I have heard through the grapevine, you don't mess with her iPad and you don't touch the headphones. That is taboo, and um, so sacred cows, you just don't move them. And uh, so we're excited that uh, she watches, and now she has a double reason to watch us this week because Jennifer and Larry both were in service with us today. So um, I may have to shoot a text over to them and tell her that she doesn't need to watch Bethesda because there's no point. Uh, we had all of her family here, <laughs> so. Um, uh, but we are so glad that they were able to help us this evening. Those joining online, I know we have quite a few joining online. I know Brother and Sister Emrine are out today to family reunion. Sister Patricia Lambert's at a family reunion. Brother Marion had to work. Brandon's in Hawaii. He did call us. It's about 1130, 12 o'clock, something like that in Hawaii right now. He called us from Hawaii. Uh, he got a haircut. I'm not sure if he's trying to fit in with the natives or what he's doing. But uh, he's he's living life over there in Hawaii. And isn't that, isn't that so hard? It's tough living in Hawaii, isn't it? Um, you know how you know how sympathetic my heart is that much. That's how sympathetic I am living in Hawaii. Yeah. 
Oh, well then, he has a he has a wide open mission field to witness and to reach a harvest for Jesus Christ. So let's pray he wins the island of Honolulu or wherever he's at uh, for Jesus Christ. But uh, he's in Hawaii, obviously, and uh, we, uh, Brother uh, David and Sister Amber Fultz are sick today. Uh, Brother Stan and Sister Brenda, Brother Stan had surgery on his foot, so he's out. So, I mean, the list just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, so hopefully all of those fine folks will eventually get healthy enough to return to church. For those watching online, don't forget you can always go to SanteeCircleCOG.org to find out any information going on at the church. You can subscribe to our Apple and Google podcast at SanteeCircleCOG. You can also download the Our Church app. Simply search Santee Circle COG. Always there's multiple ways to give in-house, online, in the mail, on the app. You name it, we'll collect it uh, any way, shape, and form. I even collect food. If you want to tithe food, I'm, a, I'm not against that. If you want to tithe cube steak or you want to tithe deer meat, it's okay. I, I will not be offended. Uh, just let me know what's in the offering box so I get it out before it spoils, okay? Uh, but I'm not offended if you want to tithe cucumbers and squash and things like that. Uh, but we appreciate that. Don't forget Fall, Fe- Fall Family Fest is coming up October 30th. If you haven't already signed up to work or if you haven't already signed up to bring something, if you haven't already tried to uh, connect with us on that, sign-up sheets are in the back. It's completely free to everybody. We're going to have jump castles and food and pony rides and s'mores bars and trunk or treats and games. I mean, you name it, they're having a field day. I just write the check. That's all I know. They, they do the work. I just sign the checks. If Sister Carol allows me to sign it, then I sign the check uh, there, and uh, she lets me know if I have the money to do so. Don't forget, we're in a series on Sunday mornings uh, through the month of October, talking about scare tactics, about the fear that the enemy is placing on the church, and uh, we are in that series, so you don't want to miss that. We're still in that series. If you have your Bibles, though, I want you tonight to go to the book of Hosea. What a unique book in the Bible. Hosea chapter number 6. We're just going to read through it really quick. It's not going to take long. Once you have it, you can stand for the reading of God's Word. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. We got you covered. We got it on the screens, uh, and you can read along with us. Uh, If you are deaf and cannot hear me, I don't know sign language, so I don't know how to tell you to read the screen. But please read the screens. uh, If you don't have your Bibles, that will be where all the information will be seen this evening. Here's what the word of the Lord says. It says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal. He hath smitten, and he will bind up. After two days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up. Anybody know anywhere else in Scripture where on the third day something changed? Three days, Jonah was in the belly of the great fish, but then he was spit out on the shore. Three days, Jesus laid in the heart of the earth, and Three days later, he got up. The number three, biblical numerology, divine order, completion. The third day, he'll raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then we shall know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and his coming will be unto us as the rain, and the latter and the former reign unto the earth. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto you? It's a question. God's asking a question. O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your goodness is as the morning cloud and the early dew as it goeth away. Therefore I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. Thy judgments 
are in the light that goeth forth. For I have desired mercy, not sacrifices, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. What he's saying is God says, I don't care if you know how to do church. I want you to know how to live right. You can do church. You can bring all the burnt offerings, all the sacrifices, but I want you to know me and the power and the fullness thereof and live right. More than offerings. Verse 7. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. What the writer here, what Hosea is saying is they couldn't even get that right. They screwed that up too. They were mankind. They were sinful creatures. Even when you gave them rules to follow God, even when you told them how to go, they still messed it up. They still messed up. There they have dwelt treacherously against you. Gilead is the city of them that work iniquity and is polluted with blood. As troops of robbers wait for a man, so the company of priests murder in the way by consent, for they commit lewdness. Notice, the robbers wait to rob. But it says, also a company of priests murder in the way by consent. What he's saying is, even church people are messing this stuff up. Hello? It's one thing to judge the people out there, but the Bible says, don't judge the speck in your brother's eye when you have a larger piece of wood in your own eyes he said it ain't just sinners messing up church people are messing up they commit lewdness or sinful acts i have seen horrible things in the house of israel or the house of god there is whoredom or there is harlotry there is there is sexual promiscuity and prostitution without throughout ephraim israel is about he said you're doing acts that are not of god alas O judah he has set harvest for you when I return to the captivity of my people what he's saying is but there's still hope even though you've done all these things even though you keep messing up I still have a harvest I still have a plan I still have a plan to prosper you not to harm you to give you a future and hope so tonight I want to preach on this subject title open invitations open invitations Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of this word. Let us not only be hearers, but doers thereof of this word. Let it lay within inside our hearts and resonate inside our hearts what thus saith the word of the Lord. Father, I thank you for every man, woman, boy, or girl that's under the sound of my voice from this morning to tonight. And for every man, woman, boy, or girl that has heard what thus saith the word of the Lord. Lord, whether they're watching online or they're in the house tonight, I pray that your spirit and your word would overshadow and would speak and resonate and permeate their hearts and they would leave differently today than the way they entered into your presence today. For I will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray and ask. And the people of God said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Open invitations. If you have a Bible that has the headers on top of the passages of scripture where it's divided in subsets and kind of gives you the breakdown. You got to remember when the Bible was written back in the annuals of time and men under the divine order and direction of the Holy Spirit and divine inspiration of the Lord began to peel, uh, began to pen what thus saith the word of the Lord. You got to remember they didn't 
right, number one, number two, number, and, and have it done in verse by verse and chapters. They wrote it at one long letter or, or one long volume of work. And mankind later went back in church history and did what is known as the canonization of the Bible where we went back and we looked and said well this book needs to be divided in these various subscripts and this book is the word of God and we we kind of honed into what now we call the Bible or the 66 books in fact the the original uh, works and volumes of scripture uh, in, in the Catholic Church and other things were not 66. They weren't a 66. They have other books that they, the, the book of Maccabees and the other books that you can, that they say, the book of Judas and, and Thomas and other books where they say had been written that were also pages of scripture. But as Hosea is writing this, whoever decided to make the different monikers or the different headers a lot of your Bibles will say at the beginning of chapter 6 that this particular passage of Scripture is a call to repentance. A call to repentance. See, what he's trying to do, Hosea, the prophet of God, is trying to get not the world to come back to God. He's trying to get the people of God to come back to God. Because I've learned a long time ago, repentance... It's only good if you know you've done wrong. See, the Bible says darkness and light cannot abide in the same thing, same room or in the same element of, of space or confinements of space. Science teaches us that. But the Bible also say God said God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That being said, that means that a sinner can ask for salvation. But in order for a saint to be revived, we have to come back to a heart of repentance. When we mess up, we have to say, God, I screwed this up. I've messed it up. I've botched this up. And I want you to forgive me for what I've done wrong. I read it to you in the passage of Scripture today. It wasn't just the robbers and the thieves. It said the priests were involved in the murders. And the church had turned their back and had started engaging in whoredom and prostitution of not only physical proportions, but God said they were creating or they were in, engaged in spiritual prostitution. They were living in sin and God was calling them to be a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And yet they were out here trying to live and engage and com comply and be fitting in with the standards of the world. And so Hosea, this 8th century prophet, is beginning to write this. But before you can understand the context behind Hosea's chapter and chapter 6, you really have to go all the way back to chapter 1 to understand the very nature of this story. In Hosea chapter 1, Hosea is minding his own business. He's not asking to do anything. He's just doing his own business. The very first verse of chapter 1 said, The word of the Lord came unto Hosea, the son of Barry, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So that means he was alive during various kingdoms and various kings. And he also was alive in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. He's minding his own business. He's a single man, a single prophet, a single ambassador for the cause of Christ. I'm sure like many others of his day, maybe he prayed for God to send him the love of his life. Maybe he prayed for a helpmate or a helpmeet as the Greek would say and the Hebrew word would, would be correlated. Maybe he was looking for a, a helper and come alongside of him, not just 
for cooking and cleaning and, and not just for helping do chores around the house, but someone to just talk to, to be a best friend with. And he might have been one of those guys been praying and he's never really met the woman that caught his eye and he's never seen the one that he thought was qualified or ready to be the first lady of the nation of Israel or the pastor's wife of the church. And all of a sudden, the word of the Lord comes and says, Hosea, I found you a woman. Well, that's exciting news. Until he tells him what kind of woman he found. He said, Hosea, I got you a wife. She's a prostitute, though. In fact, in the King James Version, it says she was a harlot and practiced whoredom. Which means this woman was very well known around town. Not for her cooking abilities. And he said, that's the lady I want you to marry. Now, I don't know how many of you, I know we have some, you know, quote, visitors here tonight that go to another church, and some of you have family that go to other churches and visit. I don't know about you. I just don't know how many churches would be okay if the pastor's wife was a prostitute. That might be hard to swallow in town. Oh, you go to what church? Oh, that's where your pastor's wife is at. Oh, okay. He said, I want you. So Hosea first was like, yeah, I don't know about this. But he follows God's instructions. And he marries her. And he basically says to her, all right, honey, listen. We can't be living like this. Got to stop this foolishness. And God said, Hosea, I want you to tell the nation of Israel, just like you have married a wife of harlotry, I'm married to the backslider. And though everybody is committing sin, Israel, if you'll turn back to me, I will still be married unto you. But you ever heard phrases like, you can take a boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. See, sometimes when things are already inside of us and in our quote-unquote DNA, sometimes it's hard to get rid of those things. And see, she, all she knew was her promiscuous lifestyle, and the Bible said she started going back to her old ways. Doing the old sins, Brother James, the same thing she always did before. She did good for a while. She's married to the pastor. She came to church. She put on her makeup and her jewelry. She put on her nice dresses. She carried her nice purse. She carried her King James family size. Jimmy Swaggart going to break you and give you a concussion family Bible when she walked in. She had it in English and in Spanish and even in Portuguese to make you think she was bilingual, trilingual, and maybe even quadruple lingual when she spoke in tongues at church. She made you feel like all was going well. But behind closed doors, she couldn't get out of her lifestyle. See, the problem is there are men and women that go to church, sit on pews, comfortable pews, not even old hardback, no cushion pews. I mean, comfortable pews. They're so comfortable, they go to sleep in those pews sometimes. They're in church. But there are people that go all across this nation to church on Sunday mornings, some on Sunday night. They sit in padded pews. They raise their hands in worship. They read the Bible when the preacher preaches. But when they leave this place, Monday to Saturday, they're engaged in things they don't want nobody else to know, but it is not pleasing unto the Lord. It is only for show and not tell. It's the old don't ask, don't tell policy in life. Hosea, she goes out living like that. They've had two children. She leaves him, abandons him with two children. The Lord says, Hosea, I got a word for you. 
Hosea said, please let it be better than the last one you gave me, Lord. And he said, your wife is actually up for auctioning today for her services at the city square. Because in that day and hour, you would actually bid on the prostitute you were interested in. Highest bidder gets the draw. And in chapter 2 and chapter 3, he said, I want you to go to the auction today. And I don't care how much it costs, I want you to buy her. Now, I don't know how saved, sanctified, and Holy Ghost filled you are, but that would be a hard pill to swallow. They've been cheating on me, and you want me to go take them back? Okay, God, hold on. Time out. Let's think about this for a second. But he goes. He brings her home. You see, he's got a reputation in town that he did not even create, but it was created for him by being guilty of association with her. See, there are some people, Sister Ann, that they come to church and they get saved, but they struggle actually staying saved because church people don't ever let them forget their reputation before they got saved. The church, they come, they give their heart to Jesus, but they they still feel like everybody judges them because they're still the alcoholic in town that used to be drunk down the street, or they were the woman of the night, or they were the one that did this or that and the other. There's a lot of people that they feel more condemned by the church than they do the world. When the Bible said, we are not the cause or the authors to condemn. In fact, the Bible said that Jesus, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that who would ever believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. If Jesus said he don't want to condemn them, then why pray tell? Why pray tell? Do we think that if God said no, we can say yes. Think about that. If God said no, what makes us think we can say yes? Or if God says yes, what makes us think we can say no? See, the reality of it is, Hosea is embarrassed. In fact, the Old Testament and the comprisement of the Old Testament, the entire work and volume of the Old Testament is known as the Tanakh. T-A-N-A-K-H, the Tanakh. And you have the first part of the Bible, if you will, is known as the Torah, or the books of the law. That is the books of Moses, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and the Deuteronomy, the law-giving books. You also, towards, throughout the comprisement of the Old Testament, you have what is known as the Ketuvah, and that is literally what they call the writings, poetry. Psalms and Proverbs and the Chronicles and the Kings and the Samuel, uh, the Kings and things like that. They were the writings. But there's also something called the Nevim. The Nevim. The Nevim's really rea- reaction is the prophets of God. There were the minor prophets. There were the major prophets. And the Nevim were the writings. People like Daniel, Samuel, and Isaiah. And Ezekiel, and, and, and Hosea, and Joel, and Amos, and Obadiah, and the list goes on. Hosea was considered one of 12 minor prophets. Not minor in the sense that his book is of little value or not as important, but minor in the sense that it wasn't a long volume of work. 
it was very short in chapters. It was only a few chapters versus other books having 12, 14, 16, 18, 20 chapters or more. This was a smaller book. His name alone means Yahweh will save or Yahweh will help or God is our salvation. It is the same root word where we get the word Yeshua or the name of Jesus. It is the same root word of the name Joshua that we've been studying on Wednesday night. Joshua, all of these comprise under this name that means God saves, God delivers, God is our salvation. But by chapter 6, Hosea is writing a call to repentance. What he's really doing is he's giving an open invitation for the people of God to get it right. Now, I would like to say that I wish that I could say boldly and confidently that all churches all across this nation have got it right right now. But they don't. They don't. There are men and women that are going to churches that are getting ready to split and implode. There are men and women that go into churches that pastors have fallen from grace and they're now waiting for a pastoral transformation or transition to take place because their pastor all of a sudden out of nowhere seems now to be removed from office due to things that have happened and had to have his license suspended or revoked and now they're in upheaval. There are past, there are people going to churches right now where one pastor stood up this morning somewhere across this nation and gave their resignation speech and said, God is moving me to another location and it sent shockwaves throughout the body of Christ. There are people going to churches that, that started out being a church of 300, now it went to 200, now it went to 100 and this morning they had 25 people and barely paying the light bill and a big old sanctuary with 600 people seat auditorium and nobody's coming to church. There's a lot of stuff that ain't right in church right now not because God's not real we've messed it up I said it this morning I say it again we are in a day and an hour where people are trying to perfect church they're trying to give a program they're trying to give a concert series they're trying to create an atmosphere that would make you feel good and all this kinds of stuff when in reality we don't we shouldn't have to create an atmosphere of worship we should already have a heart of worship the old song says i'm coming back to the heart of worship there's too many things going on where people are trying to create something you cannot replicate or create what God's already orchestrated from the pages of Holy Scripture the presence of God changes the atmosphere the movement of the Holy Spirit changes the atmosphere there's no light there's no smoke there's no fog there's no ambiance there's nothing else that will ever take the place of the anointing of God that's how things get changed so he gives an invitation. Throughout Scripture, God has always been a God of invitations. In fact, the very first story in the Bible was about invitations. Adam and Eve came to the garden. God came down in the cool of the day. He walked with them and he talked with them. And when they botched it up, God made a way. He killed an animal, provided clothing for them. Sent them on their way. Yes, he had to curse the ground. And yes, he had to make pain and childbearing years. He had to punish the sin because the holy God cannot stand in the presence of sin. But he still provided a way of escape. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, 
men began to do wicked in the sight of the Lord. And all the corruption abounded like that had never been before. The Bible said men and women and the, the day were just so corrupt and so evil. In fact, the Bible says in the writings of Genesis that God regretted the day he ever created man. That's pretty bad when God says, I wish I'd have never done this. I wonder how many times God's ever looked over the portals of glory in 2021 and looked at the way church was being conducted and say, I didn't die for that. I didn't die for that. I didn't get beaten beyond recognition and publicly humiliated for that. Not because he doesn't love us, but because we're doing a disservice to why he lived and he died. The Bible said that God was getting ready to annihilate the world. Genesis chapter 6, the Bible said, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. How? Because the Bible said Noah was a righteous man. He lived a blameless life before God. So God in his mercy and his grace said, you know what? I cannot destroy all men because if I do that, Noah would be a part of the plan. So God provided an open invitation. He gave Noah some instructions to build a boat. The Bible said that up to that point, no rain had ever fallen on the ground. There was some kind of mist or, 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 or aeration, if you will, from heaven that made the ground come up forth and bear fruit and bear plants. But no one knew what rain was. So to build a boat in the middle of a desert, in the middle of where there's no body of water nearby, is kind of a crazy idea at the time. Noah begins to have the foreknowledge through God's direction to build a boat. People begin to come up and ask Noah, what are you doing? You know the story. Noah said, I'm building a boat. God says, a flood's coming. What do you mean a flood? What's a flood? Well, rain's coming. It's going to... Basically cover the whole earth with water. What is rain? Well, it is liquid moisture that comes from the sky. And there's going to literally be a, a global effect of this. And the whole world's going to literally be underwater. And the Bible said the people laughed at Noah. They ridiculed Noah. For 120 years, Noah just kept praying and pleading and begging them and said, You need to get this right. And you know what they did? Nothing. What they did do is come out every day while Noah was building the ark to discourage him, to make fun of him, to throw shade at him, to tell him he was dumb old man, he was ludicrous, he was crazy. But Noah, in all of his love and his mercy, he pleaded, he begged the people of God, he begged the nation, he said, please come into the ark. They didn't listen. The very first invitation ever given in God's book is in Genesis 7 and 1. God gave an open invitation to Noah. Listen to what it says. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. An open invitation. Noah, you finished the job, buddy. Well done, come on inside, I'm going to shut the door. The Bible says the Lord shuts the door and Noah was locked in. An open invitation. I do believe that if anybody else would have repented while Noah was preaching the word of the Lord, God would have let him in the boat, the ark of safety. 
but nobody wanted to hear it. It is like the scripture I quoted to you this morning. And it's like history. The Bible, uh, the, the old proverb says, those that don't learn from history are destined to repeat it. It's been that way since the beginning of time. We, we know scripture says that there will come a time where men will be lovers of themselves and not endure to sound doctrine, but will have a itching ears, turn their ears towards fables. They don't want you to tell them the truth. They just want you to condone their sin. That's what Noah was, Noah was trying to tell them the truth. They didn't want to hear the truth. And they got left. The sad part of the reality is, is there were probably men and women there who at one time had been to church or had been to the synagogue or had heard the words of the Lord, but yet they didn't make it on the boat because they didn't believe. How many men and women are going to one day wake up when Gabriel blows the trumpet and the dead in Christ rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds of glory? How many people are going to get an eye-opening wake-up call because they didn't leave when we left? They had went to church their whole life. They had sat on pews their whole life. They had heard a pastor preach his whole life. They had sung the songs of Zion. They could quote scripture better than anybody else. They had taught Sunday school classes. They had worked in children's ministry. But their heart was not right with God. And they got left. See, the Bible tells us that heaven is available for anybody. It's an open invitation, but you've got to RSVP to get there. See, it's like going to a wedding. People send you out an invitation. They put an RSVP card. They don't waste stamps because they decided that they just wanted you to feel like you were important. You're not that important to waste 51, 52, 58, however many months it is for stamps now. I email. I don't do that no more. I just email it. RSVP at and give you my email address. Because here's why you are RSVPing. Because we cannot prepare for your arrival if we don't know you're coming. Hello? Y'all went, y'all went uh, liturgical on me tonight. Y'all were all with me this morning. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now tonight y'all are like, oh, I'm tired. Let's go to Zaxby's. You RSVP because you are letting the host of the event be prepared for your arrival upon your arrival there. The reason God wants us to RSVP is because he wants heaven to know your arrival when you get there. Because the Bible said, I will go to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also. Jesus it wants to know if you're going to be there with your name in the Lamb's book of life. He wants you to repent and make sure it's all right. He's giving you an open invitation so that he can be ready with your mansion upon arrival. But if you don't RSVP to the wedding, don't get mad when you show up at the wedding and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, you can't stay. We're already at max seating capacity or whatever, whatever. And you're like, well, I, I, I want to go in. Yes, but did you RSVP? Is your name on the list? No. Because what happens is if your name's not on the list, it doesn't matter if it's a concert series, a wedding, or whatever. If it's an RSVP ticketed event, if your name's not on the list, you don't get in. Well, I hate to say it, but heaven's the same way. If you stand at the pearly gates and your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you don't get in. You get left outside the gate. You better RSVP. Noah finds the wickedness. But do you know that in the holy pages of Scripture, I told you that as soon as the pages of Scripture begin, there's an invitation. God says, to Noah, come on into the ark. Get on in here. RSVP, get inside, come in. You know that the very last book of the Bible, the very last thing Jesus does, he gives another invitation. Revelation 22 and 17. Watch it. 
And the Spirit of the Lord said unto the bride of Christ, Come. Let him who has ears say, Come. Let him who thirsts, Come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Your header will say, if you have one of the Bibles, I have a header, it will say, Jesus testifies of the church. The very last pages of Scripture, the last book, the last section of Scripture, Jesus is still saying, RSVP, let me know. Come. Come on in. Come. See, one of the things I learned about invitations is one of those is you all, you have to return the information for us to know. In fact, in Hosea, the Bible said, I read it to you tonight, in Hosea chapter 6, in verse number 1, same word, come. Then he says, let us return unto the Lord. Because God has torn some things up, but he's also healed some things. He has smitten some things, but he's also bound some things. You have to understand that God can both destroy and he can mend. God can make things fall apart or God can put things back together. God wants us to have a relationship. He wants the body of Christ. He wants the church of the living God to be in right harmony and fellowship with him. But he can't force us to do it. Because he's given us the ability of choice of ourselves to make. See, here's what happens when you return. What God is really saying is he wants us to return to our first love. That same scripture says he's a God that heals. He's a God that can bind and bandage our wounds. He's a God, verse 2 tells us in that same scripture, that God will restore. It says he will revive us and he will restore. God is a restorer. The years of the cankus worm and the lotus worm. God is a redeemer of time. The plowman will overtake the reaper, Amos said. God can redeem time. If we return to him, we can live in his presence. Verse 3 tells us we can come and know the Lord. Pursue the knowledge of the Lord. We can be in his presence. That we may know him. Press towards him. And he'll respond to us. It is a call for personal revival. What he's saying, what God is really saying is, I want you to return to me because I want to have a relationship with you. I want to bless you. I want to minister. I want to pour out my blessings where you scarcely have room enough in your mortal body to contain it. I want you to come so that I can give you the desires of your heart. You know, the hard part that people can't understand is this. Revival cannot come to a nation until it first comes to a church. Because the world doesn't want revival. Because the Bible says that once you know what to do, but do it not, you're guilty of sin. You're guilty. To know what to do and to do it not, you're guilty. See, you know why the world don't want to know truth? Because they want to play the ignorance is bliss card. If I don't know it's wrong, then I can't be judged by the standards of what is right and wrong. But the reality is once you know what the rules are and the rubric, the grading system, and you know how the, the rules have been set up, whether it's in the company, whether it's in school, whether it's in church, once you know, you know what happens? You're not held accountable because you know the standards of excellence that have been presented to you. 
they give you a handbook, an employee handbook, and says you can't do A, B, and C, and D, and one day you do that, and your boss comes in and says, hey, we're going to have to let you go, or we're going to have to give you an occurrence, or we're going to have to write you up. You can't say, well, I didn't know. Did you read your handbook? Well, if you didn't read your handbook, no, that's your own fault. If you say yes, and they say, well, the handbook says, the employee manual said, because you, were, you signed this paper that said you would abide by the standards of this company. Well, God's no different. God actually gave us a rule book, a handbook, a rubric to follow. And you know what he's going to judge by? His handbook. He's going to judge by these standards. And you know why people don't want to go to church? You know why people don't want to hear what the pastor has to say or the Sunday school? Because if they hear it, even if they only hear it one time, once they hear it, they're now responsible and also they will be held to the standard of what they just heard from the word of God. See, you know why God wants us to return? Return re literally is revealing that there was a time that was better. There was a closer fellowship, a deeper joy, a settled peace, a prayer more powerful, a church more excitingly. But something has changed. We have left our first love. We have, uh, like Hosea's wife, she left him to go out and, and practice uh, harlotry because she just was looking for something else. But we can come back to God, and he loves us enough to pursue us, to chastise us, and to call us to repentance. You see, the reason God sometimes allows dark, bleak, troubling situations to happen is so that it will draw us back to a place with him that we have drifted away from. Sometimes God lets things happen because he knows that if he allows it to happen, it will push us back towards him. It will push us back into a prayer closet. It will push us back to an altar of repentance. It will push us back into praying without ceasing. It will push us back to reading our word. It will push the plate back and pull the word of God in. The Lord has to allow certain things sometimes to happen because when life is great and there's no problems, we don't want him because everything's good. But sometimes... God allows it to happen because he wants us to realize we are nothing without him. Nothing. But we also know the prophet said that they had to be revived. He said after two days, two days, they were sick. But God will revive us. And on the third day, he raised us up. Which means God's desire is not to leave you in the situation he found you in. God's plan for his church is not to leave us powerless, to leave us destitute, to leave us hopeless, to leave us helpless. God didn't let us live in this world of 2021 and global pandemics and chaos in the government. He didn't leave us down here to watch us suffer. He left us down here to be a beacon of light, a ray of sunshine, a lighthouse to the world, a place of hope, a place of refuge, a place of safety, a place of surety. God wants to revive his church, send a revival across the land. The Bible said, in my last day, saith the Lord, I pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Even upon the handmaidens and male servants, I will pour out my spirit. God left us here for a purpose. And that purpose is to let the world know, whosoever will, let them come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. He revives us. He raises us up. He wants us to live in harmony with him. But verse 3 tells us God not only wants to revive us, God's desire is to reveal himself to us. Boy, how great would it be if when we 
came to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night that we saw the glory of God. We felt the presence of God. The power of God moved in our midst. He wants to. It says, let us know and let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain. Like the latter and the former rain on the earth. The Bible said if we draw nigh unto God. He will draw nigh unto us. God wants to reveal himself to us. But do we want him? But do we? God wants to get close. But do we want to get close to him? Remember the story of Moses? Sister Carol as you make your way. Remember the story of Moses? Moses said God I want to see your glory. God said, you don't understand what you're asking, Moses. There's no man, mortal man, that can see the entire Shekinah glory of my presence and live, stand and live in human flesh. The best I can do, Moses, is I can pass before you and put my hand over you in the cleft of the rock. And when I go by, I'll remove my hand and you can just see the backside of me. That's the best you got. Moses said, I'll take it. Just seeing the hind part of the Lord. The Bible said when Moses came down from being in the presence of the Lord, when he came down, he didn't know it. He knew he'd been with the Lord, and he had had a good Holy Ghost filled and shouting time in the Lord at church. Boy, he was ready to go kick demons' doors down and win the loss for Jesus Christ. He didn't know. He got back down to common folk, to the laity, to the sinners, to the world below. The Bible said they made him put a mask on, a veil. Because his face was bright as the sun and they couldn't stand to look upon him. What that tells me is when we're in the presence of the Lord, something should change in the atmosphere and even in our appearance. The way we walk should be different. The way we talk should be different. The way we live should be different. The way we conduct business should be different. When we leave the presence of the Lord, something should be different. So that when the world sees us, they say, something's different with you. You don't look the same way you did when you left. You don't act the same way you did when you... Something's happened. And you can say, well, I've been in the presence of the Lord. His face shone like the sun. The Bible said he would only take the veil off when he'd go into the temple or go into the tabernacle to pray with the Lord. The rest of the time, he had to keep his face covered. Because he was among flesh people. The Bible says we come to an altar of repentance and we make sure we're right with God brother James the Bible says it like this old things have to pass away and all things have to become new I have to let go of the old stuff don't put new wine in old wineskins because if I do it you know what's going to happen it's going to bust can't contain it Moses saw the presence of the Lord and the people saw the effects of him being in the presence of the Lord my question to the body of Christ is this. Does the world, when they see you walk into your job on Monday morning, when they see you walk in your, does the world know you went to church Sunday? Can they tell the difference? Moses came out of the presence of the Lord, came back down, and the entire camp said, you better put a veil. We can't look at you. We know you've been with God. When you go to work, when you go to school, when you go to the doctor's office, when you go to Walmart, and your sanctification is tested because ain't nobody know how to fix the registers and self-check out. Can they see God shining in you? Can they say, I don't know where they've been, 
But they've been somewhere because they're different. Can the Spirit of the Lord, the Bible says that there are the discerning of the spirits and kindred spirits, can they see something's different in them? I don't know what it is, but something's different about this person or that person than anybody else I've encountered today. Because when we're in the presence of the Lord, something should change. We start out in faith. We run this race in faith. We live by faith. We draw close to Him in faith. Draw nigh unto Him. Sure as the dawn, sure as the rain, God responds. But I also want to tell you in closing, God's a God that always remembers. The rest of that passage of Scripture, Hosea says, God remembers you were sinners. God knows everything you've done. You've tried to hide your sin. You've tried to cover up your sin. You've tried to act like, and God knew about it. God knew. But he finishes up by saying, but old Judah, God still has a harvest appointed for you when I return the captives of my people. What he's saying is, I know you've messed up, but I still got plans for you to prosper you, to help you. I love that God's a God of remembrance. But I also love that the Bible says that when I repent, God casts my sins as far as the east is from the west in the sea of forgetfulness to never be remembered anymore. God's not going to wait till I get to heaven and go, yeah, you used to be a drunk. Yeah, you used to be a prostitute. Yeah, you used to be a liar. Yeah, you used to be a swindler. Yeah, you used to be a deceiver. God doesn't say that. He says, no, you're now a redeemed. You're a blood bought. That's why we sang it tonight. I am who I am. Who I, uh, God says I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The Bible said you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you some translations will say set you free we don't have to be called by what we used to be known by we don't have to have the gomer way of life we don't have to live like hosea because when god does it he forgets about what used to happen he lets it go a new name written down in glory the bible says over never to be remembered the only thing god remembers once we say we're sorry the only thing God remembers is that Jesus' blood was stained on Calvary's cross. And God and, the, and Jesus himself said, I died for that. And God says, that's all I remember. I remember the day I had to turn my face at Calvary, the foothills of Calvary's Godless Hill. I remember the day I had to turn my back because the sin of the world was placed on my son. I remember watching the tears drop from his eyes. I remember the blood splattering down on the ground, pouring at the foot and making a pool, a river of blood. There is a river that still flows from Emmanuel's veins where sinners plunge beneath the flood and lose all their guilty states the only thing God remembers at that point is Jesus already took care of it for me he did here's what the hope is for all of us just like Hosea said that God would also reveal and give us the opportunity to come to know him and Moses saw the presence of God fullness thereof best that could be ever done and still was changed by the presence of God and while the question still remains that I posed to you a few minutes ago when you leave here today and you go tomorrow or, or wherever this week will the world be able to see you've been with God this week or will you just blend in with the rest of their surroundings because if you can blend in with the world and not stand out and them know something's different, you're not living the way Jesus wants you to live. Because the Bible said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. So here's my challenge or pose to you today before we pray. God, from Genesis chapter 7 
all the way to Revelation chapter 22. Throughout this pages of Holy Scripture, consistently, all throughout the congruence of the message and the intertwining and thematic elements of this book, you will find hundreds of times where God says, Come, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come, 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 come. He is pleading for the body of Christ to come and make it right with him. He's pleading for the sinners, the prodigal sons, come back home and be saved. God, from the very foundations, the foundations of the earth in Genesis, all the way to the end of Revelation 22, has pleaded for the body to come. It's an open invitation. And I hate to say it, but not everybody gets in. Because not everybody RSVPs to the party. And I hate to say it, you can go to church your whole life, teach a Sunday school class your whole life. You can sing on praise team your whole life. You can be the praise team director your whole life. You can be the preacher. But if you ain't made it right with God, you ain't getting in. You ain't getting in. You cannot do anything. You can be the, the best pew warmer backseat row sitting church member that has never done anything in church, ever, except come to church. But if you've made it right, you got a better chance than those of us that didn't make it right and were standing in a position of office. God doesn't look at your money, your financial status, and your, your office that you hold. He looks at your heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. I told somebody not too long ago, you can put a tuxedo on a pig, but it's still a pig when you kiss it. It's still a pig. You don't care how pretty you make it look, it's still a pig. Now, if you're like Brianna, who wants to eventually own one of those and thinks they're so cute, we were at one of those little corn mazes things, man, one of them little, little baby pigs, whatever. She's like, oh, that's so cute, we should get one. I was like, no, no. Not in my house. We ain't having no pet babe the pig running around the house. That's nuts. Then she tried, thought it'd be better. She wants now to go to a miniature cow. No. Still a cow. No matter how cute you think they are, they still are a cow. You can put on a $2,000 suit or a $500 dress, but you can be black apart inside, and God still ain't letting you in the building. So the question is, I'm not asking tonight how many are saved, because that, you know, I'll be glad to lead you in the sinner's prayer. I would like to believe that the majority of those under the sound of my voice that come back on a Sunday night would be saved or either they're a glutton for punishment so they probably just already knew what Sunday night was about because you know saved people ain't going to church. I mean, only saved people go to church twice. You unsaved, you like, I'm already going not with the heaven so I might as well not increase my chances. So they stay home. But I would like to say this, but I am afraid, not for this church, but for the universal church of the living God. There's a lot of people that go to our churches. They're not going to make it right now. They're not going to make it. Some are your sons and daughters. Some are your grandchildren. Some of them may go to churches of their own. But I've got people that even in this church that have taught me and say, oh, my son goes to church or my grandson. But pastor, I'm really not sure if they go. They go to church, but I'm not sure they, they have the right heart. Can I tell you that God is still extending open invitations to us today? 
you need a miracle, God's got it. You need a blessing, God's got it. You need to be saved, God's got it. If you need to be healed, God's got it. We have a whole laundry list. I've read it to you earlier today and today of people that are out for various reasons. God's got it. God's got it. Here's my question to you today. Are you going to RSVP? Are you going to write metaphorically, spiritually, are you going to respond to the call of God? I'm not asking you to come up the altar and pray and embarrass you, but I'm asking you, are you going to respond to what thus saith the word of the Lord? What the word of the Lord you've heard, whether it was this morning at your church or whether it's tonight in this building, are you going to respond to God's call, invitation to you? You know what they call it in the church? I know different churches call it different things. Some people call it time of consecration. Some people will call it benediction. Some will call it time of reflection. But in my growing up as a child, my dad was Southern Baptist. And at the time, when he became Pentecostal after we, uh, he got became my mom and him, got married and were Pentecostal. By the time I came along, they were Church of God. But he's all messed up. He was Southern Baptist. She was Pentecostal holiness. And somehow they thought Church of God was the best answer to fit both. I don't know how that worked, but I'm all screwed up in, in my DNA spiritually. But at the end of the day, when they finally got it all right, you know, because the church of God, your church of God, glory to the Lamb. We sang the church of God is right. I don't know if we are, but that's what we say in our hymn book. But uh, we got it right, hopefully. At the end of the day, I remember growing up as a kid, he didn't call it a time of benediction. He didn't call it a time of consecration. He called it an invitation. Growing up as a kid, I can't tell you how many times I heard him say, let the musicians come as we get ready to segue into a time of invitation. And his words always resonated and it still resonates with me today because that's really what the altar call is all about. It's inviting you to have a moment with God. It's just an invitation. Whether you respond or not, it's up to you. It's just an invitation. Some of you in the next few weeks or months or sometime when we decide that whenever Brandon and I are going to actually officially pen the paper, we'll get an invitation to a wedding one day if Jesus should allow that to happen. You'll get an invitation. I'm just telling you ahead of time, as loving pastor I am, you don't RSVP, you're not on the book. We'll turn you, we only got limited seating, and we also are fighting COVID, so we don't really want to do that either too much. So we're going to give invitations to everybody, but if you don't respond, we're going to assume you're not coming. It's the same way spiritually. There have been hundreds of hundreds of sermons that have been preached and hundreds and hundreds of invitations been given out by God. And there have been thousands of people that have sat there and not responded to God's call and RSVP. So tonight as we get ready to close in prayer, that's what I want us to do. I just want us to spend about 30 seconds to a minute in your own way. I'm not asking you to come up here. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I just want you to just recap today with God. Your church, your services. Maybe something your kids did. Maybe something you got. Whatever. Just take about 30 seconds to a minute and just recap with God. RSVP to the call. Can we do that? Let's RSVP to the Lord's day. Let's pray together. Just pray in your own way. Lord, as the people of God are praying right now, God, I pray prophetically as the priest, prophet, protector, and provider, and the chief under-shepherd of this house. For the people of God, you've consecrated and given me the opportunity to serve. God, I pray they recap their moment with you today. Father, we thank you today for what you do. Father, I'm asking today that you would let us feel your presence.
not just in this service. God, as we go to and fro our destinations today, Father, I pray that you would guide us, you would orchestrate us to be able to live in accordance to your word. God, I'm praying that when we leave this place, we can truly say it was good to be in the house of the Lord. And we will know that we have been in the presence of the Lord. Let us go to work and school and places of abode. Bless us and keep us and your face shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts. Let the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. The Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And the people of God said, Amen. Before you're dismissed, I don't know what Sister Carol was actually playing. There was really pretty. I don't know what the song was. But there's a song in that same key. But it says, no one can touch you like Jesus can. No one can give you peace. You cannot understand. No one can bind your wounds with nail-scarred hands. No one can touch you like Jesus can. You know, that's the truth of the church. I can preach every Sunday, every Wednesday. I can preach every revival service. Shoot, I can preach every day of the week and just leave the church doors open for you to come. All you're going to do is get a good motivational, informational speech. I'm telling you, every Sunday, every Wednesday, whether it's shouting and speaking in tongues or whether it's just the quiet serenity of his voice, I come by to tell you that anytime you are in the house of God, and even at home, you don't even have to be at church, even in your home, no one will ever be able to touch you like Jesus can touch you. Those that are joining online, God bless you. We will see you on Wednesday night for Bible study at 7 p.m. We will be back in house on 7 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. Those of you in house that want to join us, we'll also have Sunday morning 10 a.m., Sunday school, 11 a.m. worship next week and 6 p.m. worship. I'm going to ask the body of Christ to stand one more time, the final time tonight. And as we get ready to be dismissed, I'm going to have Brother Randy Erschberger pray our benedictory prayer. Immediately following that, please be friendly with one another, if possible, since you know, I know we're the cream of the crop at church tonight, but please, uh, before uh, Sister Jennifer's family leave tonight, please make a moment or take a moment at least go by and, and, and just tell them how much we appreciate them helping us bailing us out they made us sound a whole lot better than uh, than we normally probably would have been without help because you know if you, the best you got is me we're in trouble I'm just let you know that right now so you better be glad anybody can help us when they can help but uh, but let them know that we're glad they were here also please don't forget family fast even if you can't come you can still donate whether it's candy whether it's money whether it's whatever we want to do something with our kids our kids are excited about the building they're excited about stuff going on and i love your kids so much i want to lace them up with sugar and cavities so that you can go to the dentist and pay for it i want to bless your family just like that and uh, i want them to eat all of it while they're at church that night so they can go home that night already geared up with you and uh and I've come to find out that if uh, if you don't want to take them home, Brother uh, uh, Randy and Sister Carol have volunteered to be a host home for them. 
They are all about children, and they, they have dealt with a five-year-old now uh, many times throughout the week. They got this down. That's your host home if you ever need one right there. So uh, uh, we just uh, want to bless your children. So don't forget to sign up for that as well. Brother Randy, would you dismiss us in prayer? God bless you tonight.